on today's episode of Strike Gold. We are here with Adniel Benamar talking about data analysis, how to find the aha moment in your product, and when you should hire your first data analyst. You're listening to Strike Gold with Jonathan Kahn and Roy Povarczyk, and today we have a special guest, Otniel Benamara. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Screw you, Roy. Screw you, Otniel Benamara. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> oh, hardest name so far. All right. All right, we're good. He took Hebrew lessons to, to pronounce the name. <laughs> no, how do you I've say Otniel in English is what? Well, Othaniel in the Bible, Othaniel. in the English version of Othaniel, the Bible. Now, it's a, now, now you sound like a character yeah. from an HBO That's, movie. Yeah. Like, like this. There was a Othaniel series from the with uh, an, an Othaniel figure. I don't know. Uh, it was Nathaniel from Six Feet Under. No, there was also Othaniel somewhere. I don't know. It's, it's way too cool sophisticated. It's on a date. What's your name? Uh, Othaniel. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Otni. Hello, Otni. How are you? Good. So how are you guys? Tell Thanks us who you me. are. Tell us about you. Oh, I'm still trying to figure we wanna, that we out. We want to understand who you are. Oh. Who's Otni? When did you cry last time? Uh, <laughs> no, wrong podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, thanks again for having me. Uh, like you said, I'm Otniel. Go with Otniel. I'm a data guy. I'm a data nerd. I love everything about data. I am uh, the co-founder of Dojo BI, which is... What do you do? Uh, Dojo, BI. Dojo BI is a um, boutique data agency, is like the latest uh, version of our title. So Dojo is uh, um, a special data agency. We're a data studio that helps uh, growing startups with all their data efforts. So we have a very holistic set of services. We advise on data strategy, data engineering, and data analytics uh, to help startups boost their growth using data. Um, we help also early stage startups, early growth, and also late growth. So our customers could be uh, small startups of teams of uh, 15, 20, 30 people like uh, Joytunes or Magisto. And we also work with larger late growth companies like WeWork uh, and Fiverr and so forth. Um, my partner Gil and I, we founded this company a couple years ago. Uh, we both have a lot of years of background in uh, helping startups with their data endeavors. Um, and in the last couple of years, we formed a company that uh, specializes in this kind of services and products. So I, you know what I was thinking while you were talking? Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is the, like this is the first time we bring somebody in who's not working like from within a product, but it's kind of a, I don't say like well agency or service provider for this. And I was thinking because we had this discussion in the past, and I always said that we shouldn't bring service providers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then I thought why would like why did I thought this was like the perfect idea? Because he has a really complicated name. No, so you're right. and no, and the <laughs> thing is that like we met each other, like we met when you were working at Alphvc, right, right, and you're such a highly practitioner. That usually when I when I think about service uh, or agencies, I don't think about practitioners. I just it just hit me that what I actually think about most of the time is people who have to manage an agency. But I've seen you like I've seen you work and talk about data. That I like it suddenly hit me that like so much insights were there, and and I, I really fell in love with you just now. Me, that this is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, data engineering, data analysis, all these things are like almost buzzwords these days in the startup scene. I think I think a lot of people don't actually know what it means or how to how to utilize that into a company's 
day to day. I think like marketers understand they need some kind of access to data to be a data-driven marketer, which is actually, most data-driven marketers live in a sphere that is way far from what you would call data-driven, I guess. They're like analytics aware usually. Aware. Or like last touch point goals, conversion analytics aware. Uh, so like go a little bit deeper into like how do you work with, with companies? Sure. So usually when we... Um, When we meet a new company, a new startup, uh, we start by understanding, uh, basically mapping out all their data needs, right? So when you look at early stage startups, anything between, uh, I don't know, 15 and 100 employees, uh, usually their data efforts is uh, one leg behind the, the business efforts of the company. So all the stakeholders are usually underserved when it comes to their data needs, and the data infrastructure is always lagging behind. Usually you find one or two data analysts, like junior data analysts, and they're like uh, constantly sweating and stressed out trying to complete all their tasks, but uh, uh, usually fail to do so. Uh, so we start off by interviewing all the stakeholders, anyone from starting with the CEO or the C-level and going through the product managers and the marketing team. To understand the needs. Yeah, and we start off by asking, uh, what are your current needs? What are your business questions? What are your goals? What are your KPIs? Uh, we mostly listen at this step. Um, and we try to understand what, out of those needs, what are being served at the moment? How much friction does that cost? And then we move to the data team. Uh, if it exists, sometimes there is not even anyone on the data team. And we kind of have an in-depth a review of the systems, right? The databases and the data collection and the data integration, the data pipelines, the BI tool, the dashboard, and so This forth. This is like if you're, you're doing a good state where they have all these things separately and it's not just like this one right. mixed panel I mean, I'm, like amplify. Exactly. So it really depends, right? If you meet a startup in the garage mode and you have like five people in the startup and uh, only a mixed panel operation, I mean, that's legit, right? We, yeah. um, It's easy to meet a company that has only 10 employees employees and offer them a data architecture that is fit for a company of 150 employees. But it's really important to fit the right uh, techniques and tools uh, for their current needs and capacity and budget and so forth. Right. Uh, so after we figure out, we map out all the current problems, we try to um, build some kind of roadmap and prioritize the main efforts we see uh, critical and try to put them on some kind of roadmap, Gantt chart. Uh, so, for example, we can say, okay, you have to transfer into Tableau, right. uh, but you, you can't do it in the coming six months because you have to hire an analyst first and train them and then shift to Tableau uh, and so forth. Uh, and then we help the teams ongoing throughout the year to build the team and infrastructure in a better way right. to boost the, the growth of the company. So I want to ask you, um, let's, let's say that three companies, 10 people, 30 people, 100 mm -hmm. people. I think it was, uh, what's his name, uh, Phil Lieben from Evernote, who said that you have to rethink your company every time you multiply it by three or 10. So you, when you go from one to three, you have to rethink your infrastructure. When you go from three to 10, 10 to 30, 30 mm -hmm. to 100, et cetera. Uh, so how would you recommend they treat or think about their data or their data needs at that stage? Like, if you go with a company that has, like, 10 employees, and you say, like, mixed panel, makes sense, right. it's what you need at the point. But when when is the first time you said, like, okay, you really have to think about your data long-term and 
and you have to take this serious enough to, you know, usually they start, they think about like how to build a product. They, they don't, they don't even think about the legacy tech that they use at the beginning. They have like technical debts. Exactly. Uh, when is the point where you say you can't like, you have to start like, like it's like pension. When do you say you have to start planning for the future? Not only think about what is sufficient, but really think about infrastructure. Exactly. So, um, the easy answer is day one but that's not fair because right. I'm not being objective saying that um, but if you look at the milestones of uh, the classic milestones for startup growth mm -hmm. uh, so you can say the first data hire would be the 15th or to, to 25th employee mm -hmm. any, any, anything between that and uh, usually around 50 or uh, employees you're going to have about two Uh, full-time dedicated uh, data employees that could be data engineers, data analysts, mm -hmm. and somewhere between 120 uh, and 150 employees, you're going to have a, a head of data and uh, two, three data engineers and two, three data analysts. At any given point, if you have less than 5% of your headcount uh, fully dedicated data people, you're falling behind. Right? Mm, okay. and, That's interesting. Um, and think about it, right? If you're Uh, if you have a company of 50 <coughs> or 70 employees, right, and, and, <clears throat> and I'm deliberately avoiding the uh, talking about the actual infrastructures, right. because that's sometimes it's hard for a non-technical CEO to think in terms of infrastructure, right? So, uh, but it's easy for them to understand uh, the product uh, infrastructure, yeah, like actual work. So if you have three years of work, uh, right, done by three people in one year, right? doesn't matter. But if you didn't hire those people in time and you're falling behind and you have like a 50 or 70 uh, people uh, company and uh, so you can measure the technical depth in like uh, two years work. Right. Right. Uh, so if you keep anything between 5% to 8% of, of uh, your headcount to be fully dedicated data people, you're on the right track. Right. And what would you say is the role of somebody's joining as like first data? Because I, when I think 10 people, I think product is usually not, still not product market fit or just reaching product market fit. And my belief is that when you uh, when you don't have product market fit, usually it means that you also don't have like enough users, enough data, etc. And like the and like the quality analysis is better than the quantity analysis like 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 user interviews mm -hmm. etc qualitative yeah yeah qualitative is like uh is more crucial than having like the right data sets like in terms of like having the right numbers in place so so how how would you treat that process so that that's actually one of the problems if you actually want to reach product market fit you're going to need to do a lot of iterations right? right the only way to win is to learn faster than anyone else right. so You got to have faster iteration, faster build, measure, learn. And if you want to measure and learn, you need your data game to be uh, sharp. And uh, uh, I actually love it when people say, I don't have enough data. I just say, oh, wow, cool. So you have less hard work to do. <laughs> Having a lot of data is not uh, always the best thing. And you get really, really great stuff when it comes from qualitative data, right? If you had only 50 trial users, right, you can literally go each and uh, over each and every one's 
LinkedIn profile and company profile and reach out to all of them and try to talk to most of them and so forth. And you would learn a lot more than if you would have like 10,000 trial visitors and trying to do all such histograms and whatever. Um, So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I do agree. It doesn't mean like if you have 10 people uh, on your company that you need a fully dedicated, full-time data person. Right. Do you think the data, like, um, who, do you, who do you think is, like, the the owner of, like, the data before you hire the first data analyst? That's always a big problem because uh, I, I, I used to do a lot of community events, mm-hmm. uh, uh, also in Aleph and uh, with our meetup group. And when I used to invite the, the company, like, uh, okay, this is a data event. You're an right. early stage startup, and they would reply with, "Okay, who, who should, send? Yeah, who should we send?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, <laughs> you're not doing well." Um, sometimes it's the product manager. Sometimes it's the CTO if they're more data oriented. Sometimes it's just like a, a number uh, loving developer which mm-hmm. just kind of adopted the, the, the who, who do you recommend to own that area at the beginning? Uh, it really really depends on the personas right mm-hmm. So you're gonna need to the business owner should be the product manager at this stage mm-hmm. and the technical owner should be the CTO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but it also really depends on the on the business vertical, right? It really it's really different if you're doing a B two B SaaS or you're doing a gaming company or right. you're doing whatever, um, and it has a lot of effect also on uh, on uh, your entire hiring plan and infrastructure and so forth, right? Because if you're doing B two B SaaS, right, your early days. Don't look at all the same like a gaming company. Right. If you're doing a gaming company, you need data from day one. Your first hire might be the third employee or fifth employee. Uh, but if you're doing SaaS B two B, you know you can talk to users, use basic tools yeah. like Mixpanel and so forth. Talking about product market fit, one of the most important things to order to get to product market fit, I guess, and to start moving to the growth phase is actually trying to analyze and understand like. What's your, uh, it's called like the aha moment. I, I remember I was in the room, we was working with uh, Justin Battalion, who used to work for Yotfo, and I was we were consulting together to one of our clients. Justin used to do a lot of like the data that we did for clients. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were sitting in the room, and you can see that everybody reads like different books or blog posts, because one is got like magic moment, aha moment, wow moment. And I was like, that sounds like a kid's party that we're planning. <laughs> it's like, but how do you find the aha moment? Well, the wow moment should be, no, it's a magical moment. It's like... <laughs> like, like it sounds like a, so uh, so this is one of the most crucial things for startups to really understand like what is their aha moment so uh, and I know you guys do a lot of the work like a lot of work, you've done a lot of work in that area of like helping analysis well Wait, first first thing yeah so, aha so first thing uh, for Jonathan who has an amazing voice but little knowledge I'm sitting here I'm listening and I'm going all right we're talking about this but again I'm I'm thinking. All right. What are the main things we should be tracking? What are the main things you want to track for marketing? What are the main things you want to track for product? What are the main things you want to do? Things. There was a moment. There's all. I love these moments because it's not really my thing. But I realized that if I was surrounded with numbers, I'd probably become that kind of person. But at Wix, there was a day when someone realized that if we turn around and offered uh, a sale, fifty percent off sale in the first two days for forty-eight hours. It would boost the amount of like people buy a lot, and again, so non-number person. I'm not gonna say percentage wise. I don't have any of that shit. <laughs> Anyways, but like, 
So I remember he like came up with it, he did it, and then all of a sudden he started moving up in the company. You know, like he was like the, you know, the Elvis Presley. He was walking around, people were like, ah, oh, here's the king. Like he was just going around like a king. Yeah, because he finally made, made find a way to make to make weeks real money. Yeah, no, just, he, <laughs> so. just, he just looked at like like I was I went to the BI. They, when you get to weeks, they give you the two weeks of not working. You go around, you have to meet yeah. everyone and learn everything. Mm-hmm. And I get to the BI one, and he's like saying things to me, and he was really sweet. His name was Shy, and he was like, I'll slowly explain this to you, and I'm like. Uh, and he like show me this like graphs and things and start explaining to me how our how our conversion works and stuff and I was like okay I don't know how much I'm going to actually be able to put this in my brain and remember it but then like someone just turned around and said okay according to this graph here we can actually make a huge killing if we just do something really impactful and then they were like alright let's do the sale and that was it so I'm like oh that's fucking awesome kudos to you guys for figuring that out now I'm like how does everyone else figure out that shit? Let's <laughs> well, copy paste it. It's amazing. It's amazing that companies the size of Wix can still find such awesome opportunities in their funnel. And you know, they didn't. I hear a lot of the times like, uh, we've done everything we can. You know, we've optimized everything. It's like the worst CEO approach, right? I've done everything I can. I'm like, done. You have seven people in your team, and you don't have any revenue. It's like. Maxed out. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's always uh, so much things to do. Uh, And actually, I'm going to be, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Um, Oftentimes, when you're doing data analysis and you're doing data exploration to kind of bottom up, find those opportunities, data can only, only take you so far. Okay. So oftentimes, you will only find the local maximums. You're not going to. Uh, find the real opportunities, right? Because uh, for that, you need to think outside the box. And data is a box. And that's something important to remember when you're looking for those opportunities, right? Because data will never tell you, okay, you need to pivot. Right. No, data will... You can, this is like the best line of the podcast. Mark it down, man. This is about <laughs> something. Because that's really the thing with me. It's like, I'm... My whole job, my whole experience on the planet is to be the out-of-the-box guy. Which sucks. It's not mm-hmm. really fun. But it's it's that that's what it is, and and data doesn't really connect to me so much because I look at it and I go, uh, well, again, I, I was it, again going back to Wix. I was sitting with this amazing guy. He's all data, data, all analytics. He's super, super, super loves all that stuff. He would look at Excel's and make love to the Excel, and I'd look at his screen and projectile vomit on it. Um, and then, uh, but like, I, it really pissed me off. But he's a very creative person in his core, and he loved looking at data and then trying to find that creative twist. Which is like great. That that's uh, there's like this aspect of data that just kind of goes to me. Okay, you're just gonna tell me a fact, but let's do the but creative. You, tell me any fact, and I'll find a creative spin for it of what we could be doing marketing wise or, or company wise or product wise. I think that's, I think a lot of the, the ideas that, that when you the idea the way I'm I see missing this, the BI person who does that though. I'm always missing the guy who's coming up and saying, <laughs> "Look at this number. What do you think we can do?" And I'll be like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> They're always like. Here's a list of numbers. Figure it out. I, like, I think that the thing with data is that it, it it has two things. One, it can point you to where you should be creative in. Like, what's the spot you should be? Like you said, it's like listen here. Either way, you can have a data a number that's saying like looks really shitty, and you go, oh, we should improve this. Let's figure out how to improve this. Or you could turn around and go, look, this this is doing really great. We should capitalize on it. You could choose either one. Right. But like, but, really, it just needs someone to turn around and go like. This is something we can. Yeah, so it's kind of. I think that helps you to kind of do X marks the spots. Like this is where you should focus, uh, and then either be creative, be whatever, like you, like methodical, whatever you want to call it, uh, to improve that area. So it's kind of X marks the spot. But I, th- I, I think it really resonates what you said. Like that is like in the box because data can help you optimize and optimize. It it 
that by itself can't really bring the like connect the dots for like the thing that that, that is not already there. Mm-hmm. Needs to bridge, bridge, bridge the it's, gap it's, with yeah. It's, a, it's like you think about shows like House or you know the shows where like they have this happen, <laughs> this happen, and then it's in the show and it's like a, a, an idea. So the really? idea has to come from outside usually because like okay, you connect for this. Him, and the, he calls it the aha moment. <laughs> <laughs> and this, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, <coughs> this is this is like I think a good analogy. Like, like the idea that come, that's gonna come from like, oh, this is what we should do. Would usually come like based on what you have in the box, but you need like the idea to come from above in a way saying, okay, with all this, this is like the extra sauce, the extra thing we can add that will change the results, change like the game. Yeah, but I think the funny thing is that that data in the box looks to me like lots of numbers scattered all over. What I need is a person who takes the data and gives me a sentence. It's funny because I feel like you just got like you got the aha moment of why he has a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. No, no, it's like okay, exactly. he just collects and stuff. You funny you say yeah. sentence because literally uh, that was what we were doing. Uh, we were building a product, a data analyst chatbot. This mm-hmm. was in the chatbot area. <laughs> and, uh, Everyone era, needs to do one. <laughs> the era of chatbots. And uh, so March. we actually... <laughs> March. <laughs> we were thinking about what's the best way to uh, provide access to an insight. How do you deliver an insight? And uh, I, was, I was really trying to think hard on that. And I was saying... Uh, uh, I was doing this experimental uh, thought process about... How would you explain this chart to a blind person? Right? And it all comes down to a basic sentence in English, right? Yeah. That's the actual insight. It's not, you know, analysts love to build dashboards and different visualization and slice and dice and use cases and A-B tests and stuff. And eventually, the bottom line, the actionable insight is a single sentence in English, you know? And um, that's why I love the idea of a chatbot. You know, you don't need all no, the fuss sense. around yeah. it. Keep it simple. It's uh, really funny because we would have to replace the people in our office who are like robots <laughs> with the chatbot that will talk to you like a person. Because that's what it is. You have a person who's really, really super data-oriented. He's like, okay, he's collecting data and showing you graphs. And you're like going, just tell me something. <laughs> the words I could understand. No, but I, I, I think, you know what, that's interesting. Maybe if you have like a chatbot-based MySQL, where you basically just ask questions like a normal person and, and kind of analyze what you want to get. I just want it to float up. You know what I want? I have said this to, to several companies. Uh, Google Think sends out these emails where mm-hmm. they just show you some sort of like, it's an image and it has like a graph thing that goes, 80% of men are spending more money in this and this, but 70% of women are actually doing this and this and this. And I'm like, how can I switch this? How can I flip this? How can I use this? How can I do it? <laughs> Tell me and more. I'm like, great. Yeah. Awesome. There, there's now there's now a feature like that in uh, in uh, Google Analytics. Oh, the insights feature, uh, yeah, like that. and uh, it gives me beautiful little images of something. That <laughs> I, I, was, I know I know a couple of companies that uh, do that. Actually, it's funny. It was a feature in uh, Microsoft uh, SQL Server uh, in '98. Really, they call it English Query. Uh, but uh, they have the worst name. Bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's, it, there's. Uh, there's a lot of technical challenges to actually make it work and actually make it into an insight, but uh, still very fascinating for me. No, yeah. I think like what you would do is you just basically any one like X variable plus another X but, variable. That yeah, but the thing the thing is that most people that most that. people don't know how to ask the right question because they would say like, uh, "What's our retention mm-hmm. rate?" And then we'll be like, "Okay, so what do you find as retention? What's like uh, what's the the window frame that you want to see it at? Uh, like what like what are they dice?" 
61. Like every time you say something like, uh, how many active users do you have? Yeah. And no, so, so like marketers or, or that was like, how many active users? And then like, okay, but how do you define active? Is it people did this action, this action, logged in, etc. This, I think, I think. So you're going to have like one sentence that if you scroll over all the words, it just shows up with the full definition of each word in the sentence. Like, no, okay, but what you can it. say it's like, uh, it's, you can say how many active users, and then it says like, Maybe ask you the question of like, how do you define do you active? Define how active? like what action? What we can call it smart ass bot. Smart, smart. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's like frustrated uh, data bot, which is like the I don't what know, do, I don't know do CEO. What do you want? Yeah, like what <laughs> exactly do you want? Yeah. No, but I always but I do replies with the same answer. Like, hmm, interesting. What do you yeah. think? What do you, what do you think, think that means? Well, data analysts and psychologists are pretty much the same. Nice. Like psychologists are like the data analysts of your bot. of your soul. <laughs> okay, no so, so two things, because I'll let Roy go back to his level of expert uh, <laughs> questions, but I have two things. One is... I, I asked his name. <laughs> I asked his name, yeah. It took an expert to pronounce it. <laughs> Anyways, um, one is that, like, so so there's a thing that goes on, and it's not only, like, I've seen it in several companies where they turn around and they say, okay, the marketing needs to have more understanding of the data. I agree between everyone here, right. I'm pretty sure anyone who listens. But then the tactic that they decide to use is let's put the dashboard of our BI on a screen in the room. Mm -hmm. I immediately go, that's not going to achieve anything. Like, you don't have data people here. We need to define that into sentences. No, but you explain them what the dashboard means. Don't just put the dashboard and no, hope for the best. No, mostly they just put it up. They just put it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's not really an explanation. No, but there's also, even, even as you said, there are questions for everything. Like, every time I do get data from someone or I'm sitting on data with someone, I ask a million and one questions about everything that they say. They're like, this is the number for blah, 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 blah. But that's like, good. Okay, that, but what, that's is that? what does that mean? What is the thing? And I try to list to this thing. But putting up a, a screen with some BI system doesn't really achieve that. I think right? it's, I think one is a motivational thing because you basically you need Move this to be up. Money. Yeah. And day after day and it doesn't go up, you know you suck in a way. And the second is like, I think it encourages you to even think in that matter. Because especially like I think about marketing teams, a lot of the time they have tasks to be done. Not frequent, then they stop and they ask themselves like, uh, okay, uh, how is that affecting my MQLs? How is this affecting like activation? How is this affecting lifetime value? What is lifetime value? How many did we churn? Do I bring the right audience, not the right audience? I think most of them would like come up with like, what's the next creative campaign? How much money we spend? Conversions on, on like landing page, webinars, like how, are we writing enough contents? They ask all these questions. And they're usually, by the way, the, the, the thing I expect from the CMO. Yeah. When someone says what well, the CMO is supposed to be, yeah, but, but like the CMO is supposed to be a person who can kind of look at the data, understand, and be able to track the success and thing and report back to the rest of the team and say, well, guys, I, we didn't perform this well, we need to optimize No, but this. The, the thing is that the perfect situation is where your entire team is behind the same mindset. Whereas, for example, you go from, oh, that's a cool idea, to, yeah, that's an idea that's going to impact the metric. Now, I remember... Uh, one of the conversations I uh, remember having with Noah Keegan from Sumo was that he, w he was fired from Facebook, like he was employee number 30 on Facebook, and he was the guy pushing Zuckerberg to say, how do we monetize this? How do we make money? How do we make money? And Zuckerberg keeps, kept saying, it's only about like user growth. I don't care about money right now. And they had a struggle. Now, when your entire company have that data mindset of, wait, we're all targeting this one metric, and you understand the metric, then in your entire decision process really changes, right? So, for example, let's say that you're a marketer and we're saying we need to get 100 leads a month, right? And now you have this specific budget and you're like, oh, we do webinars, we do this. And then when somebody says, yeah, 
all this is trendy and nice. Let's look at numbers for a second, going from top of the funnel as a webinar to uh, conversions. Do three webinars. If they don't convert, then you know it's not going to work versus webinars are only cool or whatever. Now, at different stages of the company's life, you can afford yourself to kind of do more and more like branding versus lead gen. But even when you do branding and stuff like that, uh, if yeah, you're not, that's what I was going to ask. If, if you're not numbers, for, so like, how are you really like that? That's my main thing. The next, the okay. second thing I was going to ask was basically that I was going to turn. How do you measure branding? I'm a person who does more of the emotional thing. I hate the fact that there's a lot of different like campaigns that I have to do that are, you know, this works, so we're doing this more or doing this better, and it just doesn't have any emotion to it. It's a, like feature, <laughs> or it's just lots of words, and there's nothing to it, but it's working. So what can I say? Um, but when I'm dealing with branding, it's always it's always a struggle trying to you know discuss that with someone who's going okay yeah but I want to see numbers I want to see what's going to be the impact of this branding. Right. Now I've heard legends of platforms that can track the branding and exactly. track the thing. And, legends. Yeah. yeah. Legends. No, they're all legends. Yeah. For me. I understand that. But like they can turn around and say oh how many times has your name been mentioned and other things and like. But is there a way, a metric, uh, like a, a way to measure this? Yeah, so I'm actually struggling with this with at least two of my customers right now, and I don't have super smart answers. <clears throat> uh, I'm happy to what? hear that you're struggling, because <laughs> that would be great. If you figure it out, let it pass on. It's kind of hard to analyze things that, uh, analyze data that you don't own, right? So or you can't collect. So uh, but one use case is easy because easier because it's uh, basically it's a product that is being marketed to uh, uh, scientists in a specific niche market. Uh, so uh, we're just gonna we already started. We're gonna be serving them, uh, surveying them uh, every X months uh, to see. Okay, have you heard about the company? Have you? Um, um, do you know anyone using their services and so forth? Uh, obviously, stuff like uh, Google Trends and and so forth. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a big challenge, uh, and that's like for me, it's annoying because those are huge budgets uh, that you can't account for. Um, what about technologies nowadays? Like they have eye tracking and they have all these different things. I actually went to a K, I can't remember what the name of this, the big insurance company for something that's not necessarily K, KGPM, more I think, right? Yeah, that might be it. So I went to this one. I don't even know how the hell I got into that room. <laughs> you you guys are not seeing this, but there's a, like a light bulb that is going I on and off. And I feel, when I I feel talk like too much not th data. This is really <laughs> became like from an interview to uh, integrate uh, into a dance party. No, into uh, integrate. Uh, what's what's how do you say it? And where's my English? Uh, I couldn't remember how to say that. The, the K something something. So I'm I'm fine. Yeah, it's like a hakira. Like how do you say that? Interrogation. Interrogation. Yeah, ah, that's okay, because it's like it's like for so how do you find this? Is like the lights going on and off? Don't make me angry. This is me. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but what I was trying to say is that I went to this weird this thing. No. I got into this room, and then they were showing how they have these new technology that tracks the happiness of their of employees in workshops, mm. like in not workshops, in like you know sweatshops. I was like, I don't know. It's just like all these people in the Chinese factory all working. They're all making phones or whatever it was, and they had this thing that was tracking people, and they could tell which employee was unhappy because they were just trying to see, be able to deal with. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. <laughs> Is it better? <laughs> just switch out the light. Um, uh, just trying to have an understanding of employing uh, happiness and stuff. So I'm assuming there's lots more technologies like, like that are coming out that are you know allow you but to the see people's reaction on phone. I, so I, I think the answer. There's always, it's like the classic, I think it was the same of Coca-Cola saying something like 50% uh, of my budget is going to waste. I just don't know which 
part, uh, which is because I, there's things that you can there's things you can measure analytically, uh, but you can't make them exclusive. So, for example, you can look at direct traffic, you can look at brand mentions, you can look at backlinks, you can so all these things they're they're a right they're they're a good sign that your brand is spreading, but you can't tell exclusively why. Right, like, like you don't know if basically you had a TV show who mentioned your name and now you're getting tons of direct traffic. You don't know if somebody mentioned you in a conference and you might think it's because of like you were mentioned in the podcast. And so like this is one of the one of our bigger clients. This is one of the things we wanted to do, like a real big podcast outreach. And the problem was that you don't have a good way of measuring that. You can do like a vanity link where you go in and like uh, podcast name slash uh, like company name slash name of podcast. You can do like a coupon code, um, but you literally don't know who listened to the podcast in their car and then went home and clicked like the company name. And there's a big gap there. And uh, and the old school is doing like surveys in the community with which you're trying to increase brand awareness. Uh, but I think this is why brand awareness is usually really big budgets because to move the needle in brand awareness and, and be able to measure this in like an ongoing survey, you have to do something that is quite big or you have a really small uh, specific community. But there's always like a blind spot. I was just wondering how, when you're talking to people who are looking for data and numbers, how can you promote things that are more like... Um, you you need a CEO or a CMO that is powerful and and really believes in the concept of brand. I, I think brand is the ultimate multiplier. Like paid media, SEO, all that stuff are are like uh, crutches. Uh, like before you get to a bigger brand, like I don't think Apple is worried about SEO for iPhone. <laughs> I don't think Apple is worried about paid traffic. Well, now they are. <laughs> uh, but that's a different story. But wait, I don't wait. agree. The yeah. branding is uh, it's it's not a good reason. The fact that you can't measure it doesn't mean you're you, you don't have to do, do it. it. Yeah. Uh, but I want to go back to your previous question about the dashboards. Uh, you mentioned two things that I kind of disagree. Um, you said that the CMO should be more uh, data uh, aware, uh, driven, in depth with the data. And I think every decision maker has to be on top of the data. If you're not using data to uh, help with your day-to-day decisions... Um, then you're probably making wrong decisions. At least some of your decisions are not. They could be better. Um, so that goes also for the mid-level management and the marketing and even the individual contributors. Uh, and you shouldn't be worried about uh, seeing a TV dashboard and not understanding anything because you're kind of confusing um, monitoring and reporting because those are, those are kind of two different things. When you have a TV dashboard, you basically want to have a glimpse of what you want to look at, are we doing okay, are we going up, what's the trajectory, right? But uh, the fact that you have a lot of questions, that's a good thing. That's actually how you consume data. You know, you should always be using, like, the five whys model, right? If you see an anomaly, so you say, okay, this metric dropped, why did it drop? Okay, maybe it's seasonality, maybe it's uh, in uh, different countries, maybe the new version sucks, maybe, and you go in-depth until, until you find the five times why used on the data. Yeah, so, you, so how do you use it on really interesting. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so uh, same example I always use about the five whys. Uh, uh, basically, actually, it's not a good example for this use case, <laughs> but uh, basically you ask why five times uh, uh, before you get down to the root cause of, uh, of the human factor, mm-hmm. okay? 
Uh, I actually use that when I uh, when I uh, argue with my girlfriend. <laughs> Wait, okay. Uh, you didn't do the dishes. Why didn't you do the dishes? Uh, because I got home late yesterday. Why did you get home late yesterday? Because I worked late. Why did you work late? Because I suck at planning my week. Why do I suck at planning my week? Because it takes too t too long. Um, to do that because I don't have a proper system to use that, okay, or uh, and so forth. And to get to the root cause, which is um, I don't like uh, planning my time too strictly. I was just so happy to finish, like, I don't have time to, and uh, like, I don't like to. And I was like, like I don't like you, I want to, I want to, yeah, yeah, it's time to break up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but with, the, with people, I understand it. I yeah. do the meetings, it's great, but yeah, when but you're doing with data, what are you, what are you doing? You so, same thing, like, so we had a drop, or, okay, let's say you had a drop yesterday in conversion to trial, okay, okay. And you say, okay, what happened? Um, is it because of uh, the different countries? Okay, maybe it ha you had to drop in a specific country, okay? And you uh, segment the, the conversion rate by country, and you find that uh, uh, North America dropped or uh, U.S. dropped, okay? And you segment inside the U.S., okay? And you see, um, you check for seasonality, and you see, okay, nothing from past week but you look at previous year and you say okay there was a drop this year why there was a drop again this year look at the calendar and you say okay this is uh martin luther king there or something like that you know so it's the five um, drill down basically it's yeah, a little yeah. different than the why That's why is more like i want you to explain your emotions what's going on with the <laughs> drill down you're kind of saying all right let's start by now saying here's the exactly, I think it's exactly drill down, thing, right? drill down, drill yeah, down. Yeah, but you shouldn't stop there until you get to your human factor because mm -hmm. saying, okay, it's a day off in the U.S., so people are not buying my product. You shouldn't stop there. So why aren't people buying my product on their day yeah. off, right? Is this okay? Am I okay with oh, it? So or it drives not? down to, okay. All the way it. to your human factor. It's like, uh, okay, people are not using their phones and are not seeing my ads on the phone on their weekend, or so I better... Uh, do or something like put my, yeah, my, my advertising somewhere else. Exactly. Maybe okay. do guerrilla marketing. I, I, I love the fact that, that you ended up with the human factor. You have to, but also when you're uh, uh, devising a solution, you need to address all the five levels, right. not just the end factor, the human factor, all the steps. Right. So like you can analyze the process. But wait, I want to take us back because Sorry, I think yeah, I took you guys everybody are super Wait. anxious because they heard of this thing called the ha moment and they don't know what the ha moment is. Uh -huh. We said it was from house. No. <laughs> uh, so, so I like I'm, I know I'm looping us back, back, but I think it's super important because uh, we were talking. We went forward, but we didn't really explain like the, okay, the, the, yeah, the first sorry. thing. So, right. companies who really want to grow have to find out uh, their this thing called aha moment in their product in order to understand. Like what it is they're selling to who, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's first, uh, I, I want you to define for a second, what is it, the aha moment? Um, sure. <clears throat> so first of all, I'm the kind of, uh, I like the textbook definitions of uh, the stuff I work on. Uh, so uh, when we start working with a new company, uh, we break everything down to the growth metrics, to acquisition, activation, retention, uh, referral, and uh, revenue. Mm -hmm. And we look at the activation phase uh, from the user's first touch, uh, the visitor's first touch with your Social product. Social media, advertising, no, no. whatever. With your actual product, okay? Not okay. the, not that's... So from, uh, so from landing page conversion... To, exactly. to exactly. So if we're talking about landing page to habitual usage or uh, downloading an app, okay. So mm -hmm. that's the 
the first time the user actually had uh, tangible uh, contact with your with your product um, all the way to the aha moment uh, so this is now we're going to talk about the aha moment in a second so this is not just your onboarding experience this is not necessarily your for uh, it doesn't end uh, necessarily with your first purchase mm-hmm. or anything technical like that and it doesn't even necessarily happen within your own product okay so basically a how moment is the first time a user uh, gets actual value from your product he he meets the value proposition you assume you have in your product and they say wow <coughs> this is cool I like this product and the technical meaning of that uh, the, is that that user is a happy user and they're going to be retained, okay? If that user is happy, or they like will more not be retained. retained. Of course, more likely yeah. to be retained um, uh, in a meaningful factor, okay? But if that user is super happy but they're done with your product, so I wouldn't necessarily call that an aha moment. Um, let's give out some examples, okay? Uh, so I was... I was working at a company called uh, House Party, previously known as Meerkat, previously known as uh, Yevo, long story. Uh, Previously known as Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Super fun uh, roller coaster. Uh, This is a a live video social network. Okay, so you open the app, you connect with your friends, you start streaming live video, your friends get push notification, and they join your video stream and uh, you see each other live, you can talk, you can comment, and stuff like that. Um, so th- we done a lot of user testing, and you can literally see the aha moments on the user's faces, right? The first time they log in, they're not really sure what this is about. They start streaming, they see themselves, they're not so happy about it, they're not really sure what's happening, and then, boom, one of their friends, their actual, their real-life friend, not just any viewers, but something, someone they know in real life who's a Facebook friend or something like that, joins the stream, and they realize, oh, they're watching me right now. Oh, this is so cool. I love it. And uh, this is also what I said about why qualitative data is so right. important. Right? Go talk to your users. Uh, don't look only at numbers. Qualitative is also data. Uh, so sometimes the data, uh, the aha moment is super clear and physical, but sometimes it's not something you can fully grasp, okay? So, for example, if you're buying something online, let's say this is the first time you're buying uh, on uh, Amazon, um, and uh, you're trying to think, like, what is the real aha moment? Try to remember the first time you ordered something, product online, and you were filling out those forms, and you were looking at a lot of stuff, and you were super suspicious, and you didn't want to put your credit card, and you did next, 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 and that it, that's it, and you got a confirmation email. But that's not your aha moment, right? No. It's not, uh, you got that email saying, okay, I wish everything, uh, I hope everything is going to be okay, but the aha moment is when the actual package arrived to your doorstep, and, and you say, holy shit, this, it, this works, you know? I click buttons on a computer, and things uh, magically appear on my doorstep. This is insane. I'm going to do this all the time. Uh, assuming you got your package on time, and it wasn't broken and everything. Uh, but that's an issue, right? Because how do you measure that? How do you measure, like, saying, okay, they got their package, they're happy about it, and so forth. So. Yotpo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a great like example. Of what like that? That's what I like about Yoko measuring the aha moment. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere. Sorry, just. So, uh, how do you go about by starting to analyze and finding that hone? Because when you say that, is, there's a thing about growth and a thing about data or, or exploration. When you give out the answer, people feel like, well, that's obvious. Yeah. And like, oh, well, it's obviously when the, when the guy sees somebody's friends joining, or it's always when you get the, the package because they remember their moment. But you now have a product. You have like the the 360 degrees of that experience. How do you go about finding that aha moment? So I actually find it uh, to be an easier task than you would imagine, and oftentimes, Con- Command F, aha, uh-huh. <laughs> something, yeah, uh, find aha, uh-huh. and from aha. Uh-huh. No, but I'm, I'm wondering. This is like the, what you said. I'm sorry. The package example is fantastic because it just really sets you up. Like, where do you like? If you look at companies, ones who are tracking the aha moment of a package, which you said is actually quite difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are the ones that are doing fantastic. Amazon and all these other places where you can kind of write a review on the fact that your package came late or the thing happened. These are the ones that really you know grow because you say, oh wow, I can really see the aha moment for people. Um, Sorry, just a really cool thing to say. Like, yep, finding so, the way to track the thing that you can't, that people can't, other people can't figure out how to track is really like key. And and sometimes the aha moment is not really the you can't really measure the aha moment itself and uh, itself and it's so different for each uh, user. But you do have strong predictors. Okay, mm-hmm. so everyone knows the magic number for Facebook is once you have seven friends or five friends. I don't yeah. remember. Uh, that means you're gonna stick with the platform. But it's not actually having five friends that makes you say, whoa, this is amazing. Okay. It's that the outcome of having five friends, meaning that uh, you're going to have a feed that is full of content, content from your real-life friends. Uh, that's what's going to make you stick, right? Uh, so uh, going back to your question, Ray, about uh, finding the aha moment. So most of the time, I, I see that uh, the actual product uh, people... Uh, they have pretty uh, good and valid assumptions about what is the aha moment. Uh, and what you obviously need to do is validate it uh, in your uh, in the data, in the you, numbers. You, do you start with a gut feeling of saying, this is, how we build yeah. this is what I think works? Yeah. And then you go and see right, wrong. Yeah, usually a gut feeling works when it comes to aha moment. Okay, so for example, we can talk about Karma, which was a product that was uh, uh, running for Aleph. Uh, Karma is a social network of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, basically asking questions, answering uh, those questions, and helping uh, one another. Um, and uh, the aha moment there was uh, when a user asks a question, they get an answer, And they hit the appreciate button, which uh, basically saying thanks. This is uh, this answer was helpful, and there was also like uh, karma points that you would get. So when you look at the product and you say, okay, this is uh, a positive experience. Uh, you're being uh, thankful for someone helping you. Uh, you got value from the uh, from the product, and uh, we say, okay, this is probably the aha moment. Let's look at the numbers. And this was a social network, uh, so the retention metric from uh, fourth week retention from sign up. We were looking at fourth week. That's kind of like the standard in social networks. Uh, so in the overall overall community, it was uh, around uh, 30%, percent. Uh, I think 35%. percent. And for those who uh, appreciated an answer for their question, 
it was around 90%. And that's insane. That's like the highest retention number I've ever seen uh, for fourth week (coughs) retention in a social content network, something, something. Uh, So 90%. So... You would do how how but how would you define retention rate for that? Like meaning people who kept asking questions, kept answering questions. Yeah, so it was ninety uh, percent for answer a question. Ninety uh, percent for answer. Yeah, so we we distinguish between uh, uh, visitors, idle visitors, and uh, active users. So active users who there is users who interacted with the contents usually. Uh, in social network, they, they say you have 1% of content creators, so 9% people who interact with the content, and in uh, uh, 90% just idle visitors. Yeah, yeah lurkers. God damn them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a lurker. I'm just, no, uh, <laughs> obviously. I just, I just like it because it sounds more insulting, and then you don't want to be one. And then like, <laughs> I'll go create something. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, that's an example of a how moment. That's how it looks in the numbers, okay? Yeah. If you're, like, saying, mm, it boosted me up from 20% to 25%, that's not yeah. an aha moment. If you actually filter out those users who pass through that uh, through that funnel, through that filter, and you see the numbers skyrocket, and you're saying, okay, this is how the aha moment looks in numbers, okay? Um, similar thing we had in uh, Meerkat, right? So if you... Uh, we did an analysis on the onboarding process and again this is not the aha moment itself it's a predictor of the aha moment uh, if you had five or more friends on the, on the platform once you join in mm-hmm. you're four times more likely to be retained uh, on your second but that one. was like a notion that you had there wasn't, this was like a prediction that was not numbers based yet so I uh, no this is I found the number five was the most meaningful number okay. right so and then we started what, doing growth hacking wait, around what, that what was, what was your first process about finding that number so obviously we knew that you're going to have to have uh, friends watching to enjoy you. It. You have, yeah, you have to have some viewers yeah, to, you, to, to, feel all the, to, to actually get the benefit we of the saw, We saw the aha moment in the user testing, like physically saw it, right? People mm-hmm. are saying, oh, this is cool. My okay. friend is watching So you live. start by seeing this like on a user testing right. before you start. In this case, yeah, we saw it in, in physical user testing. and start, We started reverse engineering. We said, okay, for, this, for a person to actually stream and be watched by a real-life friend, they got to have friends on the platform for that to happen right. and uh, for that to happen how and how many friends do they need to have so at least one of them will be available to actually watch them yeah right. so uh, we started analyzing that and we find the magic number to be somewhere around five obviously lots of change before that right but uh, once you realize that uh, back then the <laughs> the Facebook API was uh, much much more friendly and you could uh, actually target those people outside your app that had four friends in your app mm, okay. so once they would join they will already have four or yeah. five friends four and above friends in your app uh, fun times uh, doesn't work like that today uh, but for good reasons um, so basically the reasons you the reason you would want to do that because once you actually understand the aha moment you uh, you know how you're going to impact the retention and your projections mm-hmm. okay because once you know uh, you you pretty much have control about how much users you're going to acquire Okay, you can play with your budgets and with your yeah. channels, and you're going to acquire more or less users. Uh, 
lots of products usually uh, uh, balance at a specific retention rate and it's hard to change it dramatically. Uh, but the missing link is the activation, uh, the activation funnel. And so for example, if you have a 2% conversion rate uh, from uh, trial to paying user or from visitor to paying user in your uh, website, um, and you triple it to 6%, okay, this means you're going to triple your user base within 24 mm -hmm. months, your paying users, uh, uh, user base. And... Uh, Think about tripling your marketing budget or tripling your activation, right? Yeah, you would want to focus on activation. Exactly. And uh, you would want to focus on activation, but finding those activation uh, opportunities is not always that easy. Uh, one of the problems is you find one aha moment and you're trying to force all the traffic, all your users to go through the same path. But... And this is important to remember. Different personas require different aha moments, okay? They get different value from your product. They get it after a different time uh, or, or a different way to use your product, and they get different aha moments. And if you haven't mapped them, you're basically giving up on, on uh, a huge chunk of your user base. Um, and, and actually, in order to do that and find those opportunities, you need to go back from your aha moment and map the user journeys that lead there all the way from their first touch to the aha moment and start looking for the touch You're talking points. about it within product. Exactly, inside your product. And this is something that's kind of hard to do. Uh, we've actually built a tool, a product that helps with that. It's called Behave AI. It, kind of syncs into your database and uses machine learning to find all the user journeys and paths that leads to uh, aha moments and impact the conversion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an aha moment you define, right? But uh, either first purchase and so forth. Uh, but then you can find all those uh, decision points. It's a big decision tree of the user. You can find the decision points. For example, stuff, cool stuff that we found Right, so let's take an e-commerce platform for for example. You see a common use case of uh, uh, you want to get people for uh, to get their first purchase, right? Uh, that's usually the aha moment, and uh, they were trying to push the traffic to and and to one journey. So you see a lot of users like searching a specific category again and again, looking at different numbers, uh, different products of the same category but they don't end up buying any products. So as a marketer, usually what you would do in this use case, you would uh, uh, start a drip campaign and uh, offer coupons and we have new products in this category, blah, blah, blah. But uh, what we found using our tool as uh, a huge uh, a portion of that, of that uh, uh, cohort uh, did convert after seeing uh, seller's reviews. Mm. So what was basically wrong with them is they had a trust issue. They knew, they kind of knew what they wanted to buy. They didn't know who to buy it from. But you didn't see it in, in just looking at the linear funnel, like step one, step two, step three. And you didn't understand why this step is dropping. You just assume there is one reason for this uh, drop, right? And you said, okay, I'm just going to provide them more products or less yeah. or more discount until they buy. Um but uh, if you don't have any AI resources to tackle this, I always suggest like starting off with the basic manual chart. Okay, mm -hmm. so we all know those uh, um, 
uh, UX uh, mockups where designer likes to do. They print out all the screens and they draw the lines between each yeah. screen and they do all the description like persona blah is doing this because of that and they're moving now to the next step and so forth and what i always say take this uh, uh diagram and just put the numbers on top of it okay? yeah so uh go do your manual analysis for each of the step and put that number on that and try use colors if uh you're a ux person uh And once you have that mapped out, and I'm not even talking about a live, ongoing, real-time report. Just do it once or once in a while. And you're going to find those opportunities in the journeys that lead to the aha moment. And it's a constant work to, to maintain that and look for those opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what, what I'm thinking about, again... Is because you kind of answered this, but I still feel it, it, it's kind of left unanswered in, a, in an easy way. I'll explain. Uh, so do you think specific niches have specific areas of aha moment? Oh, definitely. Okay. So I would even say that every business vertical has the same, uh, almost the same KPIs. Okay. Like, It makes uh, sense. Yeah, like uh, like we talked about uh, industry benchmark for retention in social networks. Right? right. Fourth week, 25%, whatever. Cost per lead in SaaS business is oftentimes similar or, or in gaming industry and so forth. Mm. Uh, so it is repetitive, exactly. And also the aha moments are very similar. So basically you think there can, there can easily be a way if you're a product manager for a specific industry So you would basically point them out saying, if you're looking for a home, and go around these areas. Now, if you're looking at somebody, again, let's say 10 people, 30 people, 100 people. Mm-hmm. 10 people, I guess, they have like a simple version like of a mix panel, not properly implemented, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you tell them to start looking for that? Huh? Talk to users. Just talk to users. Talk to users is the best way to find that. Uh, ask, even ask your friend, just look at people using your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and... Uh, I just want to uh, uh, say one disclaimer. So you do have similar aha moments and similar metrics in uh, different uh, in the same uh, business vertical, but uh, aha moment directly connects to your value proposition. Right. So if you have a unique value proposition, you should really try and fine grain and say, when did the visitor, the user, encountered my unique value proposition, right. like, and not like just any value. The things, the things that actually uh, impact. Those metrics is very different from product to product. Exactly. Like the, the, whys, the why you do things, the what gets people excited. So like Amazon and Amazon Prime, it's one thing, but uh, for a different e-commerce, it can be like when you see the beautiful dress shoes you bought, for example. The like quality of the product. The quali- yeah. The Thinking brand. you're buying something that's like super boutique-y and like there's only five months and you have one in your hand, stuff like that. So, so the metrics, like the areas of focus might be similar, but the impact itself is, is like very, very different. Yeah. Um, so if you're kind of asking about what's the recipe to find that, I um, would say like uh, I, I would say like, I would say like what are your um, somebody comes up to you and say, listen, like we are in this situation, like I, we have uh, uh, we, like we have a mix panel or well no actually it's, I think smaller comment is easy easier because like because it's, it's kinda, actually like yeah, email, email, email not bad for that. Yeah, like you call your users, talk to them, you'll find like most of the answers. But I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase the, the question that I want to get to. It's like it's a, 
because what what I'm thinking about is that everything you're saying makes sense once you know you have two things in store proper uh, data sets meaning like you are tracking the right things in the right way and then it's like almost and and second thing it also sounds like very easy once you know what is the what is the proper query you want to ask because for example you said uh, meerkat we knew five people mm-hmm. how because we we researched we saw and now the the, the, the I think where it gets complicated for a lot of people working with data and I think this is actually what's the biggest complicated thing about that in general is like asking the right question mm-hmm. so I think interesting examples would be how did you query or how did you ask or how do you ask your data the questions to get you to that aha moment so like because for Meerkat again you said okay it's viewership Right, like, and it's almost native with the product. It's like about streaming or broadcasting yourself, and then engaging with like with. So it's obviously if you don't have any audience, there's no aha moment. Exactly. But then when, but how do you dissect it to the five people? What are the query? Like, what are the? How do you dissect the data to find so, five? Yeah, so we actually kind of discussed this on a different topic. We use the. You're probably going to be using the five whys. You start top down. I think your question, uh, you're thinking bottom-up. That's your, uh, uh, yes. what's your, what you're struggling with in this uh, scenario, which I agree. Bottom-up exploration here is hard. There are techniques for that, and right. uh, uh, I don't think we have enough time to yeah, cover that. But uh, when you're thinking top-down from the human experience, mm-hmm. okay, and that you either witnessed or you assume or you... Uh, uh, so that is kind of easy to find in the data, right? You say, okay, the human experience representation in the numbers would look like this. It's often uh, uh, pretty clear on that. So when would, you start, I would, wait, I want to okay. ask like the, the. So this means you go into your data and you look for like people who did most broadcasts in the past month, for example. Okay, so no, so like, you understand the angle that I'm trying. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's go over the example I gave earlier. So uh, let's say you want, you assume that your aha moment is someone who on their first broadcast, okay, mm-hmm. uh, had a, f- a friend, a real life friend watching them. Okay. Okay. So you go into the d- database and you filter out uh, first time broadcast who had at least one viewer within 10 seconds that uh, they also connected through Facebook, the viewer and the broadcaster. So, oh, wait, so wh- I, I want to drill down on the thought process. So mm-hmm. you said 10 seconds through Facebook. Now, where do you These come These are up? assumptions. Okay. These are assumptions that, again, the aha moment... Is, Based on experience. Uh, yeah, and, and common and, and but also like the, the human experience, right? Like I'm saying... Attention is, is seven seconds, right. so seven to ten minutes, seconds. That would be like the highest. Like if you don't get, a, you probably if you don't get ten seconds, then you're like you don't have like the, uh, uh, like you don't you don't have the capacity to wait. You just say okay, that, this sucks, and you go. Exactly. That's your assumption. Okay. Yeah, or it's not as fun if you're just playing around with an app for two minutes and no one's watching, right. and then a friend joins you. Okay, so uh, it's not the same experience. Uh, but the the point is. When you think uh, an aha moment is a strong predictor for retention, you need to validate it. Of course. Okay, that's an assumption. So once you build that cohort of users who uh, successfully first, had an aha first moment. Stream, like, uh, first stream over 10 seconds, one viewer. For example, yeah, and that they were connected on a social network outside uh, okay. your platform. Um, 
And then you see, okay, what is the retention of the entire population? What is the retention of that cohort who had the high moment? So that you compare them to the people who, 15 seconds, no friend. Exactly. Okay. Um, or 10 times broadcasting without anyone watching, which is super sad. And you say, okay, <laughs> uh, they're not going to be retained. Okay? I, and you I, see I'm, that in I'm the I'm just numbers. thinking about trolling. You have like a kid sitting and you're like, okay, watch. And then he goes on and there's like... We're not going to have anyone watch him for 10 seconds see what happens. <laughs> At 7, he started shaking. At 10 seconds, he started crying. I actually think about trolling the platform and playing like all by myself in a loop when nobody watches. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, okay, so... Okay, uh, what, what, the, the reason I'm asking is because, I'm, again, as with the experience, a lot of these answers kind of mm-hmm. answer themselves. But I'm thinking about this person who's doing this for the first time, second time, and he has to work with a data person. Uh-huh. Uh, like at the product. And you say 10 seconds... We make sense of it, but it can easily be 15 seconds, 16, 16 seconds, 17 seconds. So how do you, how, when, when in your journey do you say, okay, I'm going to use 10 seconds, that's it? Like, or, 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 what, like, or you do this 10 seconds, uh, one person says a set of viewership, and you think about what's the control, like what's the other group? Is the, is the other group is like longer time, no viewer? Is the control group uh, more viewers at the same time? Yeah, but every, like, like how, what would be your process around figuring that out? So there are always more analysis to do, and right. you're asking the right questions. And yeah. definitely if you have an analyst full-time, you tell them to start exploring this and right. that. And you should do those uh, next steps, like, okay, saying, okay, this isn't a how moment for this persona. Let's start finding for other personas right. and so forth. And you're saying, uh, but you should always keep it simple. Know, and you say, okay, I found a filter that works in the sense of I have 20% retention in my population and people who experience this list has 80%. Okay, this is an aha moment. You can try and fine-tune the parameters and say, okay, 92% retention. Okay, No, but, uh, but or, the 20 to 80, 20 to 92, that's easy. Yeah. That's like, but most products don't start with 20 to 90 it's, they usually mm-hmm. go with 20 and 32, which is not meaningful if you have a 90 hiding mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, but usually, like, like it, the, the the way you iterate until you get to the 20, 90, so, again, user interviews and all that until you kind of hit, um, uh, I guess, like, product value or, like, the, you know. Exactly. Uh, it wasn't fair because I was uh, throwing all this uh, vanity numbers, like 80%, exactly. 90%. That's not realistic, right? That's not... No, but well, what, what I'm saying, like, it's, it's like when you do A-B testing. And, mm-hmm. and when somebody gives the example of A-B testing and you do, like, well, one page converts 2%, one page converts 700%, then that's an easy test. But what usually what happens is that most tests end up with, like, being uh, 30%, 32%, which are, is almost meaningless, uh, yeah, in A-B test is kind of different because there you're looking for statistical significance and there's like mathematical. Uh, no, of course, but what I mean is that, that like, like the the edges are very clear. But usually when you run these things at the mm-hmm. beginning, you don't get edges. You get like good, better, and again, like what is distinct what better versus just like a little bit okay and different types like or, or like when do you when do you keep saying. Okay. Do you think that the, the you, you think you have your high moment and you go and you have to do you keep digging till you find twenty ninety, or or like well, where do you where okay, do you so say I think we're going the around the main issue right? yeah because uh, when when you're looking for an aha moment and you're an early stage product 
and you can't seem to find a very definitive mm-hmm. experience that provides tons of value, that could very well be because your product is not really providing no. tons of value for I, I, I'll, your I'll try to frame this again. Uh, this is like an, I'm asking no, a very good This is a super uh, good uh, yeah. a question, something to consider. If you're not finding the aha moment in your product, it might might well never be there. Uh, yeah, but I'm asking, what I'm, what I'm asking is, Taking the house, this is like an annoying question because I mm-hmm. think that most practitioners, when they go and they have to get to that point, that's where they get stuck. Because uh, from this, from my experience, is you got a ten seconds guy, five viewers, mm-hmm. versus I guess would the control like the control group wouldn't be or like the other group wouldn't be like twelve seconds. It would be something like drastic, like two minutes, no viewers. Mm-hmm. I guess right, you would go. Yeah. That is, is that the, the direction you would take it, for example? Yeah, so there's distinguish uh, the distinction between the cohorts. Okay, um, and then you find out 10 seconds means 60% retention rate. Mm-hmm. Do you then go and say, okay, this is it, or do you say, wait, let's do 15 seconds and see if uh, do you st- so you go and you start analyzing I will, I will. and you start finding like where does it like stop stop being significantly matters. So this is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. This I is the real um, The 10 seconds actually wasn't that meaningful. So <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I, like, uh, it's, it's about getting a result you think is good, and then you want to say, wait, wait, should I? Uh, uh, like you want to expand a little bit more. You want to be, in, you know, like like it's, you like, it's like when you tune a guitar. You, like when you tune a guitar, you you can be like a little bit above, a little bit below, yeah. and it will sound good. But if you hit the right spot, that's like even better. Yeah. Well, so, that, so like, that actually really that? depends. I do, and that actually really depends on the 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 bar you set. Okay. Okay. So if you're happy with fifty percent, that's okay. You know? How would you uh, set the bar though? So. If you look at your growth uh, funnel yeah. from acquisition, activation, retention, and you're always trying to improve one metric or of one course. stop at the, on, along the way, uh, you should have that goal predefined. Okay, and so for example, if I'm uh, and you should consider all the parameters, saying uh, industry standards. Okay, if I tell you I want to improve my uh, visitor to trial uh, conversion to ninety percent. Uh, you, yeah. um, that you're gonna throw me out of the room, right? Right. Uh, and so forth. So you need to be realistic. But if if you already set the goal from two percent to four percent, okay, and you achieve that, that's enough for now. Go back to your backlog. Go back to your uh, funnel. Try to find the next opportunity. Okay. So so for keeping yourself sane and productive, you have to say, okay, you probably would start with some industry industry uh, benchmarks or mm-hmm. predictions that you think are good enough for you. Let's say if I have 60% retention rate right now for my yearly goals, that's amazing. Uh, and that's like enough engineering. I can go to the revenue. I can go to whatever other right. part now. Right. So so you would recommend, and this is the thing, the insight, you would recommend people to start by basically setting a goal for what is good. Yeah, so this is more about like uh, best practices for your KPIs. You know, when you're choosing which KPI to focus on, right. you, should be, uh, you should be considering basically three things. So... Uh, your business uh, uh, state, right. your business model. Right. Uh, so saying, for example, okay, I'm a B2B early stage SaaS company. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is why I'm going to look into churn. Okay, uh, and your business state meaning uh, we had a we had a drop uh, last month, so we need to do something yeah. about it. You got to focus on that. And your business plan, that's the third one. We want to hit 1 million uh, ARR by end of the year. So yeah. 
this so you three start with factors those when you go to start optimizing you have to have those in mind and like specific numbers in mind and then you go and do the research this yeah. is this i think you're this is optimizing the for those numbers you're okay. not just want to find of course uh, of improve course. the the funnel because you want to improve funnels you're going to always be working so, to improve specific uh, so that so i think that insight was important to be said because again like from you know from i think you, you probably see it as well uh well maybe it's interesting because maybe maybe we're experiencing this from different angles um a lot of the time when you talk to people who try to optimize and that they have the optimize or growth mindset they just need to optimize say uh what are we optimizing for <laughs> like better numbers better like numbers, what's yeah. what's a good number and they'll be like better like like yeah. bigger than what we have now it's like when are you going to decide to like how you decide on your focus and that's where usually like somebody who's like has more uh, CRO kind of mindset so they focus on this part yeah. the product person has this part and they're not usually not aligned that's that's like when we consult on growth teams it's usually about mostly about aligning everybody for the same goal yeah that's usually a problem if uh, the company doesn't have like uh, OKRs if the yeah. C-level management they don't set the objectives and break right. down the key results the KPIs and basically every morning you wake up and you say, are, uh, what are the things that I'm going to do today that are serving the top level KPI? So it's like a very cultural thing in a company. Yes, yes. and uh, Which brings us back to the, the conversation about the CMO, checking out the data, yeah. reporting back, and the dashboards. Definitely everyone is taking decisions today, right. should be thinking, I'm, I'm taking this decision in light of this KPI that I'm uh, pursuing. And uh, regarding improvements, obviously, you have to set, you have to draw a line in the sand, right? right. The whole point of uh, trying to improve those KPIs is uh, it, when you work, when working with OKRs, uh, the main goal is to uh, drive accountability. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you don't commit to a number, it's not clear if this was a successful endeavor or not, right? right? The whole point of like, you know, the Facebook say uh, <coughs> uh, data wins arguments. Yeah. Right. So, did you achieve the goal or not? Did you succeed right. or not? And if not, what did we do wrong, and what we will do differently? Uh, but if you don't set, if you don't draw the line of the sand, you don't really have that. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there's like tons of value here for like uh, people who are now starting to look into their data. People want to hire you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which they should. Um, I'm always happy to help. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, but I feel like yeah. after this whole discussion... I, I want I I to do it. I want to take a picture of you with a sign. I'll help for invoices. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, would work that, for invoices. I think that after everything we spoke about, I think that uh, there's... Uh, again, I like to jump to the organizational aspect because for me, a lot of the things that stop great things from happening is the companies that are trying to do great things. So I think that there's also this process that you... You kind of refine the process of how you go into a company to help them with the with with these things, and it starts off with talking to C level people, really getting to understand, helping them ask the right questions. And I'm guessing that five times why doesn't only work. Uh, you don't only use it for data, but you also use it for people. And in that sense, you kind of help them define not random wild things like I want to make lots of money and yeah. I want to, the company to be really successful. It's like okay, what is it really you want? And without these clear understandings, um, everyone else underneath is just—it's just chaos. Mm -hmm. So that's so beyond just turning around and saying, "Oh, I have a company who you know helps uh, you know 
advise and consult on how, how to do correct BI and really collect data and really get great things out of it, I think that it's basically helps build the full structure of how to get amazing things happening with, with companies. Um, that's what I kind of learned from the whole thing. Again, the it's data cool. stuff is a little heavy for me, but generally... <laughs> he, zoned out, he zoned out once we said, yeah, like, no, there OKRs. Was point, there was a point where it got hard for me, but I said, okay, <laughs> I understand that there are people who need to know these things. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, no, yeah. so, but thank you. Thank you. It's been really interesting. So this was the most data-aware conversation we had in the podcast. I'm so very flattered. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Thank if you have you. any questions for Otni, uh, well, screw you. He was our guest, not yours. Yeah, so <laughs> um, we got him first. <laughs> yeah, so we can always comment. Uh, and of course, if you enjoyed this episode, go like, review, share, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, send a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, thank you so much. Thanks thank for you. having me, guys. Bye.